0: Peace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. Matthew's Gospel, the 27th chapter, the 54th verse. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Lord Jesus, open thou my lips, that my mouth may show forth thy praise. Amen. Good evening, dear friends in Christ Jesus. As we know, we have now come to Good Friday night. I suppose most of us have said to ourselves, I wonder why they call it Good Friday. Why don't they call it Bad Friday or Black Friday? Yet I suppose we call it Good Friday because a good man died on this day centuries ago. It doesn't seem long ago, does it, since we started the Lenten season of 40 days and here we are just about completing it, tomorrow being the last day of the Lenten season. This is Good Friday night. The church has a few rules and regulations as regarding Good Friday services. They are man-made. For instance, it's the one service of the year when I as a minister wear the black stool. It is worn only on Good Friday. It is the one service of the year when we decide that there shall be no flowers in the church sanctuary, no flowers on the altar. This is Good Friday. And as you know, in this Lenten season, we have been considering the sufferings and the death of Jesus We've been doing it in just a little bit different way. We were looking at some of the characters that played a part in the suffering and death of Jesus. We have invited them to come and we have invited them to retell their story, telling us just what they experienced. And in this Lenten season we have had Judas Iscariot here who told his story. Then there was Simon Peter who again denied his Lord. And then there came John, the beloved disciple. And then we had Caiaphas, the high priest. And then there was Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. And then there was Simon, the Cyrenian. And then last night on Monday, Thursday night, you recall, it was the penitent thief, the good thief on the right side of Jesus, the man whom we call Dismas. Tonight we're going to invite to our pulpit the man who had direct charge of the crucifixion. He is unnamed in scripture, but tradition in his case also has given him a name, the centurion. And as he, as it were, stands before you tonight, and I hope that this evening we can lay aside the cares and the duties of Good Friday, that we can't listen to his story. And I believe that it would go uh, something like this. My name is Longinus. Tradition gives me uh, that name. I am called the Centurion, and that means that I was the captain of a hundred men. In the Roman army. My duty was to carry out crucifixions. Not a very pleasant task, as you may know, but I was a Roman and I was steeled in that type of work. I had learned to be callous and I had learned to be merciless and to be pitiless. And so it was on that morning that you call Good Friday, the conscious pilot, the governor, called me and said, Longinus, crucify these three men. I procured the three crosses that were necessary, and we started for the place of the skull where we crucified the Jews. There were two men that I readily recognized as being hard and cruel, but there was this one man that they called Jesus. Somehow or other, even though I was a proud, heartless Roman, a heathen man, not a religious man, I couldn't take my eyes off of this Jesus. I had heard about him I had heard that he had traveled the length and breadth up in Galilee and Judea, that he had been an itinerant preacher, that he had been preaching something about heaven and the kingdom of God and repentance, that he had been healing the sick and the maimed and the halt and he was healing the blind and the lepers and that he had even raised people from the dead. I had heard these things about this man Jesus and then I had also heard that morning that my governor Pontius Pilate had been forced to sentence this Jesus to death that he didn't want to do it but that he was told that he must or there would have been an insurrection a revolt of the people whom he despised and so we came to this place, Calvary, the place of the skull. I walked up to this man, Jesus, and I asked him to lie down on the cross that was on the ground for him. I offered him the drink that we usually gave to those who were to be crucified. It was wine that was drugged as much as we could to try to deaden the pain so that we might not have too much trouble with the victim but he politely refused and said that he did not want it. He laid down of his own free will on that cross and as we stretched his arms we drove the spikes through his hands and we drove a spike in each one of his legs and he didn't curse He didn't revile us. He said nothing. We erected his cross in the hole in the ground, in the center. I figured that's where the crowd wanted him. We had his clothing off. You see, in order to add the shame and the disgrace to a crucifixion, ours who were crucified were on the cross without clothing. In your day people liked to promenade without clothing but even amongst us who were heathen that was part of shame and part of disgrace. Four of my soldiers divided his earthly garments then they picked up the outer cloak that he wore, and when they saw that it could not be divided because it was woven without seam, they got out their dice and they shot their dice and rolled them, and one of my soldiers then got the roll. I looked at this Jesus on the cross. And I, I wondered about him. I looked at the crowd and I saw the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and they began to rail and they began to mock him. And they were shouting one thing above all others. If you are the Son of God, come on down from the cross. And they kept it up and they kept it up. You who would destroy the temple and raise it in three days, come on down. You saved others; let's see you save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down. And I, I wondered about this, the Son of God, and yet they kept it up and they railed and they heckled him. And I stood pretty close to the cross and. I heard him whisper and I heard him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And believe you me, even though I was a callous Roman, that hit my heart. There was a man that I had just nailed to a cross who was praying for me. I never had that happen. They always cursed me. They always railed, but here was a man praying to his father, and yet the crowd was yelling, If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. But he called his God Father. I I wondered about that. I who had crucified him, I was beginning to realize that man didn't deserve to be nailed to a cross. And I walked around the cross and I saw that malefactor on the right speak to him. And I heard him say, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And I saw this stranger, this Jesus, lean down to him. And I heard him say, above the din, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And he said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. If you are the Son of God, I was beginning to wonder, was this Jesus, the Son of God, promising this man that he would take him to his kingdom in paradise? And yet the crowd was railing and they were scoffing, if you are the Son of God, Come down from the cross. And I saw him look down in front of the cross and I saw a young man there. He looked to be a man about twenty two or twenty-three years of age. Uh, somebody told me his name was John. He was one of this Jesus disciples. And there was a lady standing next to him, and I inquired around and somebody said that was this Jesus mother. And while the crowd was jeering, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. He looked at his mother, and I heard him say, Woman, behold thy son. And then he looked at this man, John, and he said, Behold thy mother. There was something dawning on me a proud Roman, a heathen man. This man, Jesus, Was he the Son of God? I was beginning to be convinced this was an innocent man. This was a righteous man. I had crucified a man that didn't deserve to be nailed to the cross. And all the while the crowd, the chief priests and the scribes and the mob, they were yelling, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And I wondered why they kept it up, why they were shaming him and disgracing him, throwing into his teeth, if you are the Son of God. I wondered, was he the Son of God? And then it was about noon. And about noon, friends, it got to be dark, and it was pitch dark. The kind of darkness, you know, that's still the kind of darkness that you can cut with a knife. And I'll say one thing, when the darkness came, then that dirty mob stopped yelling, if you are the son of God, come down. And everything was quiet, and I looked up at this Jesus. Then I heard him say something that I couldn't understand. It was a language I didn't know. And he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And I asked several around, what does that mean? And somebody said, he's calling for Elijah. He, he wants Elijah, who was one of our prophets. But somebody else told me that that was his mother tongue and that he had cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I thought to myself, here they were crying, if you are the Son of God, and yet here he was calling on his God, his Father, why have you forsaken me? I I didn't understand as much about this as you do, because you know more about him than I. But I was beginning to realize here was an innocent man, And if he was crying out, why was his father forsaking him? Evidently, he didn't deserve to be forsaken. He didn't deserve to be cut off from his God. The thought was coming into my mind, was this God's son who was suffering for somebody else? Was he there paying somebody else's penalty, was that why he was crying out in this darkness, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And oh, in this stillness, and it kept on, and at least those who were simply heckling him and scowling at him, they were quiet. Then I I listened and I heard this Jesus say, I thirst. So I told one of my men to go get a rod and to put it in, again, the wine. Now this was not the drugged wine, in case you don't understand. This was wine that we mixed with water. This was what we drank in our day and what the people in my country still drink today. This was simply wine that had been simply mixed with water. And so I told one of my soldiers to take a sponge and put it on the end of a rod and put it up to his lips. And so he did that and he moistened this Jesus' lips because the fever had set in and he was groaning in pain. And after he had said, I thirst, I I looked up at him again was he the Son of God? And I heard him cry, and oh, it, it was sort of the cry of a conqueror. And he said, It is finished! I, I wondered about that. You understand more about that than I. But whatever his mission had been, whatever the reason for his coming, it was done. Oh, he seemed relieved, it is finished. He who was forsaken of his heavenly father, not for something that he had done, it was done, it was finished. Then I looked at him again. He, I knew he was innocent. There was no doubt in my mind that that man was a righteous man. Then finally I heard him. Oh, and this one came so tenderly, and it was in the darkness. And he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And it just was sort of like a boy going to sleep in his father's arms. He was contented. It was three o'clock that afternoon in that darkness when I heard him pray that, the earth beneath me began to shake and it just seemed like this must have been the Son of God because whoever his God was was doing something and the earth was quaking and I saw the rocks, they were splitting up. And I was told later that some of the tombs were opened and some of the saints came out of those tombs. They were raised from the dead. And somebody told me later that in their temple in Jerusalem, that tremendous veil that was 60 feet wide and 40 feet high and four inches thick that when he died on the cross it was split from the top to the bottom and I knew that this must have been the Son of God because in whatever this victory was this great thing that he finished that God was adding his great victory to that and I stood there And I trembled. And I said, certainly this was a righteous man. This man was innocent. I have crucified an innocent man. Then I also said, truly, this was the Son of God. I, a Roman, I, Longinus, I saw that this Jesus was more than a man. I saw that he had to be the Son of God. When I left Calvary that day, I learned more about him. I learned that he was the Son of God. I was told that when Mary, his mother, had an angel come to announce that she was going to be his mother, that the angel had said, that he shall be called the Son of the Highest. I found out later that when this Jesus was baptized, there was a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved Son. I at the cross had said, truly this was the Son of God. And I learned that he had a follower by the name of Simon Peter who was up on the Caesarean-Philippian highway. And that this Jesus had asked him, Who do you say that I am? And that he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I was also told that one night he took Peter, James, and John up on Mount Tabor. There while he was praying that his glory used out of him, and a voice from heaven again said, This is my beloved Son. I want you to know that I, Longinus, I came to know that this man, Jesus, who was no less than the Son of God, that he was my Savior. I learned to know that when he was forsaken of God on the cross, he bore hell and damnation for me. I became a Christian. And that's why in your gospel record, my great confession is recorded that I stood there at the cross, I, Longinus, the Roman soldier, and that I said, certainly this was a righteous man, this was an innocent man. Truly, this was the Son of God. And your tradition tells you that I not only became a Christian, but I became the bishop of the Christian church in Cappadocia. I, Longinus, a Gentile. I Longinus who again had been a heathen but I stood at the cross and I was the one that crucified him but he prayed for me when he died I who had crucified him I was then one who had turned Because the crowd railed, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross, I believed it with all my heart. That's my story. I am glad to be in your church tonight. Remember me, the centurion, the man that carried out the mandate of Pontius Pilate, the man that nailed him to the cross. The man that murdered him and found out he was innocent. The man that confessed that he was the son of God. Even as you in your creed, you say, I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only son, you believe that, too. But remember me, Longinus. I stood at the cross at 3 o'clock on that good Friday afternoon in the darkness, and I saw him die. Truly, this was the Son of God. Oh, oh be quiet. I, I see something's happening at the cross. His head... It's starting to go down. The Son of God, he's dying. I saw him die. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding. Keeping and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting.